Thank you for joining the Tangent Talk podcast. My name is Luna Ma, your host. Today's episode is dedicated to the legacy of Ahmaud Arbery. I'd like to read for you an excerpt from the Ahmaud Arbery Foundation. You can visit the Ahmaud Arbery Foundation at www.ahmaudarburyfoundation.org. Here's the excerpt. Ahmaud Arbery was just like you and me. He loved his family. He was an avid runner and he cared deeply about his community in Brunswick, Georgia. On February 23rd, 2020, Ahmad was tragically shot and killed while he was out on a jog in his neighborhood. It continues to share that our work, the work of the Ahmad Arbery Foundation, is to honor Ahmad's legacy. We believe that black boys like Ahmad often lack resources and access to mental wellness. By aligning Ahmad's legacy, with mental wellness in our communities, we can create brighter futures and opportunities. On today's episode, special guest, Dr. Brian McGregor joins us. And because of the importance of this topic, we wanna make sure that you have the time to enjoy it. So we have actually provided this particular episode in two parts. Each part is roughly about 30 minutes or so. We hope that you'll enjoy, we hope that you'll engage with us on our website and provide your feedback as well as share this episode. You know, nearly two years to the date that Ahmad was murdered, his killers were sentenced to life in prison on January the 7th, 2022. This was nearly a week or two after we had recorded this episode. We here at the Tangent Talk podcast, we are still running for Ahmad. You know, if I may, Ildris, and thank you for that, uh, Dr. McGregor, because you're, uh, you know, refreshing my memory on some of the um, great nuggets from that panel that you were a part of for the Ahmaud Arbery Foundation. You know, one of the things that stood out was the idea of performative manhood. And I know that today's discussion is centered around Black men and Black boys. And so I wonder, um, not to deviate, or go off tangentially, Ildris, which we tend to do here at the Tangent Talk. But I wonder how much does that shape mental well-being? And uh, as as Ms. Starr mentioned, being aware. You know, when I think about performative manhood, I think about men who feel, and it's it, it ties in with your example uh, about the NFL player Hel- Helbra. You know, performative performative manhood in that scenario would would suggest. You don't, you're, you're not vulnerable. You don't share about being nervous. You go out and you play without being able to tap into how your body is feeling relative to your first NFL game, right? Or your first Super Bowl game. And so um, that that is something, I, I believe it was Dr. Little, uh, Dr. McGregor, who mentioned this on the panel, performative manhood. I just wonder, Helbra, Dr. McGregor, others, how do you think that shapes um, people's resistance, men's resistance to mental mental and emotional health, performative manhood? I think it definitely shapes it uh, comprehensively, really. Um, as, as I was listening to everyone, I was thinking to myself about the public enemy statement that says, I have a right to be hostile. My people are being persecuted. I think uh, we perform in that way in many ways uh, as, as Black men in that we are traumatized and we are oftentimes exhibiting that trauma in a variety of different ways in our interactions. I think about me growing up in, in, in Brooklyn, 
AKA Brook Nam, and thinking about walking past other brothers on the street. And oftentimes the question they would ask is, what are you looking at? You know, and you, you think, you know, that people, when people are happy, they behave differently. They, they interact with each other differently. When people are healthy, they behave differently and interact with each other differently. And if you, as, as Dr. McGregor was saying, if you grow up in environments that are unhealthy, you tend to exhibit unhealthy behaviors. And so uh, I think we are, we are socialized to behave in unhealthy ways. And I think we, that unhealthy behavior is reinforced in a myriad of ways to whether purposely or unconsciously to uh, proliferate that unhealthy behavior overall as, as within our diaspora. So, you know, to, to keep us from, from being together, uh, to keep us from being healthy, to keep us from uh, accepting the reinforcement of our mental health and our emotional intelligence. So I think that, yeah, it, 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 it manifests in the ways we perform, quote unquote, to, to harken back to the words throughout just a myriad of ways within our, our culture. Well, a key thing that Dr. McGregor said when he mentioned not laugh when it's not funny, it made me think of how we use laughter as a coping mechanism, you know? And then in terms of Black men, it's easier for them to laugh through things that, and people in general too, but we're specifically talking about Black men right now, laugh through things that really they probably want to cry through, but laughs are more welcome than tears. And they're encouraged more than tears. You know, I think about right. how many young boys and, and even men, you know, if you show vulnerability by way of tearing up or, you know, it's, it, you, you, you are called anything that is <laughs> the antithesis to being so-called strong. And I wonder, uh, Dr. McGregor, I know that we're, we're not able to share this video, but um, I think you know where I'm going. Would you kindly- yep. <laughs> would you kindly <laughs> recap for the panel and our listeners and we'll drop the link to that video as well could you talk to us about the video kind of net it out for us so we can visualize it that was um the video that was demonstrated during the the Ahmaud um, Arbery panel you sat on can you talk to us about that sure thing I'll, I'll try to capture it as best I can so if you all you know just imagine there is a, a scene, this sort of, this is the beginning of a YouTube video where there is a father, a black father uh, and a boy about two years old, somewhere uh, along those lines in terms of age. The, the, the father is off camera he may even be filming. So you see the boy sitting in a doctor's office. You see what appears to be a, uh, like the hands and, and some parts of the body of a uh, healthcare professional who appears to be white and he's about to get a shot. So dad is trying to hype, you know, build up his courage and make him feel comfortable. Um, but he's sitting there in this office. His shirt is off. He's kind of looking around. He's curious, you know, trying to interact with his with his dad. And then the, the, the um, health professional gives the shot in his left and right arm near the shoulder. And, you know, dad is like, don't cry. Don't cry. You're strong. You can do this. Who's my big boy? Who's a big man? And as he's sitting there feeling the pain of this shot, he starts to tear up and he starts crying. And the, the, the health professional lifts him up, brings him down uh, to the floor, and he's still trying to encourage him. And, you know, dad says, say, I'm a big man, I'm strong. And does the, you know, makes the muscles with, his, with both arms, you know, flexing the biceps. And he, he says it 
but, but through the tears and through the pain. And then right at the end, you can hear the dad say, okay, let me turn this off so you can go ahead and cry. You're talking about a powerful illustration of so much of what we've been talking about. The fact that he was aware of this, this is being recorded, suggests that there was some performance aspect of it. And that's a big part, I think, of uh, a sort of one of the maybe most enduring examples we have is that whole piece around boys don't cry and what that looks like and how we perform that in ways that uh, create barriers to achieving uh, mental wellness. So how did I do, Lunama? You did very well, uh, Dr. McGregor. And I'm, I'm, I can possibly edit this out if, if, if we need, if there are any copyright infringements, but I think Uh, What Dr. McGregor did was a fantastic job setting it up. I actually was able to find it. I'm going to share it, share the video, and um, we can have a quick discussion about it. And of course, Helper, let's tie this in to some of the other questions that, of course, you've prepared for us today. So let me go ahead and share sound. Okay. Got it. Okay, you looking scared. I'm scared. Yeah, I know. I'm scared. You're a big okay, boy, right? Ready? And okay, I'm gonna count to three. I said one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay. Now look at that. Look at me. Say cheese. Three. Big boy. Two, three. Big boy. Be a man. Oh, big boy. Don't cry. You got it. Don't cry. Okay. Don't cry. One, two, Be a man. Yeah. Oh, big boy. High five. Say you a man. I'm a man. Say you can't say it. I'm sorry, so I'm gonna laugh at you. It's okay. It's high okay. five, high five. High five. Big high five. It's Good okay. job. Okay. Wanna come down? Wanna come down? One, two, three. See? You feel good. What you gotta say? I'm a man. You can't say it. I'm a man. High five. I'm turning the camera on so you cry, okay? What disturbed me more is the fact that he was telling him to say, I'm a man, but it's like, it's a boy. It's a little boy. Right. I'm still kind of a... I know. It, it was traumatic, <laughs> wasn't it, Hiltris? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm traumatized. I know, I'm right, Mr. <laughs> in, in a sense, you feel like you're watching abuse, right? <laughs> he is getting his, I guess, normal vaccinations for that age, but you you see this child who wants to be comforted and instead he's told you know say say i'm a man well what like ilter said what's what the heck does that have to do with receiving your vaccinations as a child miss star you were going to weigh in i was traumatized it, in a way it makes me think like be used to pain get used to pain push through pain don't cry you're going to feel pain and that's just normal. Um, but just like you said, he's two years old. I remember seeing a, a woman talk to a young boy one time and she said something like, stop crying, you're a man or something like that. And I'm thinking, he's not a man, he's a little boy. <laughs> I'm like, you know, but I guess I think that points back to in some culture, you know, some environments, you know, young black boys have to take on a level of manhood at such a young age. And that would of course connect to the challenges of emotional intelligence or you know challenges of emotional health and not being equipped and having the resources to have to live you know a certain life even from young i mean he's he's only he's only 2 years old and you know versus the father saying this is going to hurt and it's okay for you to cry <laughs> you know you don't have to you're still strong if you cry it's, it's not a sign of weakness crying is not a sign of weakness you know i mean one time i had a 
I forgot what they call them, um, skin tags, whatever. So I had some skin tags removed and they kind of, you know, burned them off. And afterwards I started crying. You know, I was in my car and I was like, I was just like tearing up crying. I said, sometimes you forget that just your body just naturally reacts to pain. It's not even something that you have to say, oh, I'm feeling pain. I should cry now. Your body reacts to pain. It's a normal response. So for this little boy to cry is a normal response, you know, and of course, it's a protective measure of our bodies to say, listen, you're going through pain. You need to cry right now. I need you to cry because you've just been put through some pain. So it, it, it's unfortunate. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. And, and I do think we're, we're moving in a different direction as a people. I do feel like, you know, we are speaking more to getting that mental health. And even like you said, in terms of, you know, religion, I know I feel like, yes, for a long time it's been, and, and of course, still some, some spaces, some places it will be. You just need Jesus, but I do feel like you're seeing the Jesus and therapy T-shirts now. <laughs> you know, it's like it, 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 it's a wave of trying to make it cool. Like, listen, no, it's okay. <laughs> you know, talk to God and talk to a therapist. Take both. So, <laughs> the the yeah. thing that's interesting to me about that, and and then that was traumatic for me too. And if you know me, you know I'm you know I'm an empath, so you know I, I always feel I feel anytime anytime any of our people are crying. But um, to see that that is a father doing that to his son um, is I think something to discuss in that this, the perpetuation of, of poor mental health and emotional well-being practices is generational. We pass it on from generation to generation and it's been passed on from generation to generation since we first began being traumatized. So, you know, I, I think there's, there is, it's not, it's not, something that is just happening now or just a state of being now. It's something that's been a part of our being for a really long time. And I think that's something to be explored and, and thought about as well. Yeah, yeah, guys, uh, that was a great example. Once again, of the uh, performative um, manhood. So I have a question for you leading into our next question um, specifically for you Luna Ma since you shared that video with us is there such a thing as performative um, womanhood <laughs> um <laughs> I hmm that's such a good one I I'll say this it may not be coined performative womanhood but I think a lot of women and again speaking of women of color believe they do have to perform in a certain manner that will either engender love and appreciation and acknowledgement versus, you know, perhaps um, being criticized. And so the one thing that I think a lot of Black women, speaking as a Black woman, tend to do is take on this role of um, superhero. And the idea of um, black girl magic, uh, for your benefit, Dr. McGregor, and for those of you who are new to the Tangent Talk po podcast, we did in an in a earlier season tackle the burden of the black girl magic movement because this idea that we have to perform at our at our all time best every time we step out of the room, so we step out of the house, we step into the boardroom, we, we get the, you get the point. It's like yeah, we, we yeah. don't we can't always be on. And so when it comes to performing, Helbra, that's why I said what I said earlier about emotional health is that I learned that it's okay. It's okay to not be on. If I'm hurting, I'm hurting, right? You heard Dr. McGregor say, cry when we are hurting. 
you know, the, the performance of some black women would be, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm strong. You know, I'm, I'm good. And it's like, wait, you're not good. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not whole and it's okay. So, so that's what I would say in, in response to that question, Helper. Thanks for the, thanks for the question. Thank you, Luna, because um, you touched on a very good point that I was just thinking about. And that is to our audience, it's very important to go back and listen to prior episodes because hence our name, even though we go on tangents, a lot of tangents, um, everything we talk about ties together. And I asked you that question because it leads into our next question, which I want to pose to you, Ms. Starr, and that's what things can men learn from women in regards to mental and emotional health and well-being? I definitely do think that maybe as, as women, you know, we may be a little bit more familiar with emotional intelligence. Um, and that may come in the aspect of, I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you back later or you know, whatever it is, maybe it's sometimes taking a, a beat or a moment and say, listen, I'm, I'm going to give you a call back tomorrow. Or if that's saying, I need to go hang out with my, my homegirls. I need, I need a, I need a break from what's, what's going on. You know, I guess like the, the famous ladies night, you know, I think all of those things are, are pointing back to saying, I have to, I have to watch my emotional, uh, my emotional health, you know, um, something that I usually say a lot is protecting your peace. You know, so I feel like um, I think sometimes we can be good about um, doing that. And then, so I guess in terms of learning from women, you know, I think it's okay to say, I need a moment, you know, I, I need a beat. Like I'm dealing with some things internally and I need to, you know, sort those things out. But I, what I feel like sometimes is there's the blowout or there's the blow up, you know, sometimes I think with, with men and, you know, that anger shows but there was nothing really proceeding to beforehand to say, you know, this is how I'm feeling. And then it's like, now it's time to say, oh, this is what, what happened. This is what went wrong, or, you know? So I think it's like trying to be ahead a of, ahead of the, um, the reaction, maybe. I don't know, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. What, do you, what do you all think? Yeah, yeah. Well, we pass it back to you, Luna Ma. Um, what do you think? Oh my gosh, how women can, re refresh my memory on the question, uh, helper, how women can help men with, what things from women can men learn just by paying attention? <laughs> right. And thank you, Ms. Starr. That was a great answer. But yeah, I wanted to hear your thoughts as well. What can they learn? Well, um, I, I hope men in our community can learn uh, that it's okay to be vulnerable. I think women often do that well. <laughs> uh, many of us who don't feel we have to live up to that being perfect all the time, right? The, you know, black girl magic uh, spiel. Um, so for me, I think men can learn how to be vulnerable. I hope that men can also learn how to be comforted in, in, a, in a responsible way, right? So that it's not turning to alcohol or turning to the, um, you know, um, exotic dancer clubs <laughs> or, you know, whatever other vice there may be, they can learn to be comforted in a way that's healthy and responsible. Uh, and I say that because I think of, of, of women who will say, just like Ms. Starr alluded to or, or, or mentioned, you know, let's go out, let's have a ladies night, let's go out, let's cheer up our girlfriend. She's gone through a breakup. She, she, she needs comforting. Let's take her out. I don't know if men do that. I'd love to hear from, from you, Helper, Dr. McGregor and Dark Juan, but I think women do, in my view, do a wonderful job of doing that, comforting each other in a healthy way 
uh, responsible way. And I also hope that men will learn to be more expressive. You know, I've, I've, um, I'm, I'm fortunate to have men in my family um, and, and close friends who are expressive. Sometimes when I date, it doesn't quite translate, right? The, the men that I sometimes date are not that expressive. They tend to shut down. And guess what? I have a tendency to do that too. I sometimes will retreat, but I need or I would like and desire in a partner someone who is not going to retreat um, indefinitely, but rather be willing to express himself. And I think women are, we're, we're usually pretty self-expressed. So those are the things that I, I hope men learn. And heck, maybe you guys already know it, <laughs> but that's, that's what I would say as far as what I think women can, can, can teach men. I think this is a very interesting question. Um, and, and this is the one that I was mentioning. I think this is a trigger question. And so I'm trying to get beyond my triggers. Get triggered. Uh, because, no, no, <laughs> Learn yeah, to express sure. how you're triggered. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so um, because it, it implies that women, uh, you know, kind of in a blanket statement are better at or are more emotionally healthy or have better emotional well-being than men. And I think that we both have challenges uh, and we express ourselves in different ways. And I think that what we, that that's really what we can learn from women. You know, we can learn the emotional challenges that women have and how they deal with their emotional and uh, mental challenges. And so we can, through that conversation, gain an association, which is helpful for both of us because we are tied together. Uh, as a community. And so I think, um, you know, I, I, I'm not comfortable and, or triggered, let's say, um, by, the, by that idea that we are not as emotional. I think there is some, um, some validity, however, to the frequency with which or the, the, the amount of communication that women have regarding their emotion versus men openly. Uh, I think I, I have to think outside of my box because I'm, I'm lucky to have a group of men or groups of men, really. And I've also fostered groups of men where we can talk about these things. But I think what we can learn from women is, is the other side of things and how our emotions uh, impact them and vice versa. Um, I think it's a, it's a necessary, but probably off, not often enough a conversation that's not had often enough that we need to really foster and and normalize and socialize and and definitely uh, become more expressive about our feelings overall. So yeah, I, but I, but as uh, as um, Ildris mentioned, you know, I think that there are there are probably just as many women having emotional and mental challenges uh, as men, and I, I don't see any reason, especially within the same environment. And I, I keep hearkening on the environment that we're working in to be healthy um, that is impacting both of us. So, um, yeah, I think I think we we can learn by conversing on the topic more often and understanding the need for it and, and that it isn't something that really I feel we ever get done doing. It's something that we're always going to need to be doing throughout our lives. Absolutely. It goes back to those values, right? Uh, going back to our uh, discussion earlier about the Ahmaud Arbery Foundation, the values, we believe the path to mental wellness is ongoing. So that's that's well said. So um, no, I appreciate the, uh, the discussion. I think that um, a lot of times that I'm um, listening to or involved in these uh, conversations where we're talking about mental health and, and looking at differences between men and w women, it uh, inevitably results in uh, defensiveness. And it's just like very 
gendered and, uh, and, and oftentimes combative. So, um, you know, I do appreciate uh, continuing to be in spaces where, you know, we're trying to uh, address that question without, um, you know, without seeing each other as, uh, as, as, as enemies instead of, uh, as, you know, in partnership and in comrade, like there is uh, black men, there's black women, there are black families, you know, we make up the black family and uh, the black community. So I think, I think it's important for us to, to see each other as, as allies. You know, there, there are certain, and I don't have, you know, everything, all, all relevant uh, data at, at my disposal now, but, you know, for example, there are, there are differences between um, men and uh, women, black men and, and black women that's supported by data. We know through research that uh, black men's mental health help seeking is lower than black women. We, we know that. Um, we know that black women uh, attempt suicide more often, but black men complete it more often because their means are more lethal. Um, you know, we, we know some of these things uh, through the research. I think what's important is what does it say about how do we respond? How do we respond? What are the points for intervention uh, in terms of addressing uh, some of these uh, challenges? When we talk about being in partnership with one another, I think, so what was mentioned before, I think by Luna Ma was about men being more emotionally expressive and that being uh, a, a desire or, or, or a need uh, even in, in relationships. What I found is that when men feel like they're in safe spaces to share and emote, they will do so. And oftentimes what I'm seeing is that that's not the case, whether it's at work, whether it's in relationships. I think Ms. Starr said she's seeing it start to change and I, and I do too, and I appreciate that. I can't think of anything in particular, but there's just, you know, depending on um, what I'm seeing, you know, there's all these efforts to sort of get men to talk about how they feel in different spaces where they, um, you know, where they are in, in community. And I think that's really important. Uh, yeah, that's what I have to offer on that. Iltris, may I weigh in for a moment? Absolutely. <laughs> Dr. McGregor triggered. <laughs> I'm triggered so now. now. Yeah, now you're triggered. Yeah. I'm triggered. No, that was a great share, Dr. <laughs> McGregor, but I got to ask you, I know we're looking to wrap, but I just got to ask you because it was a great point that you made as far as men, I'm paraphrasing, men will be self-expressed around their emotions when they, they're in a safe place. So I'm, I'm bringing this into a romantic context. So by extension, could that mean that if I'm dating someone and he is not being expressive emotionally, that I haven't created the safe place? And I'm not saying that to be combative. I think the beauty of the tangent talk is that we we discuss and then we take responsibility, right? And so Ildris coming off of our um, two episodes ago on rest, he said, hey, I took a day off, right? So I, I want to take um, I want to have actionable items coming out of our, our conversation today. We always do. So talk to me about what you meant by that, Dr. McGregor. So in, in terms of relationships, I think that the stakes are different <laughs> when you're talking about an intimate relationship um, as opposed to maybe a, a friend. That's, and I think that's an important difference to recognize. If you're in relationship with someone, um, you know, there, there are uh, men, men may perceive consequences to certain things that they share and express differently than when they're just talking to their homeboy. That's not, it's not the same. You know, if, uh, if you can imagine, you know, what men talk about when it's just them in fellowship and how different it looks than when men are talking to women, even if, you know, we're just talking about platonic situations, but certainly when you're in intimate 
partnerships, I think that those, you know, the, the, the dynamics are very different. And I think they have an influence on how and men, you know, how men share what they say. And, and so I think that going back to what I said, what men view as safe spaces should be unpacked a little bit collectively. Like we can talk about what that, what those spaces are. Where is that? Um, what environments do black men consider safe to talk about these things? Is it one-on-one -on -one with another brother? Is it in a virtual environment with a mixed group? Is it at the barbershop? So starting where, um, you know, how we understand and, and think about safe spaces, I think can be a jumping point for, you know, points of intervention. I'd agree. And so thank you for that, Dr. McGregor. And what I heard Dark Juan say is, a, he's fostered those safe spaces and he's been a part of those safe spaces. I thought I heard you help her say, you know, in watching this recent movie, or maybe it's not a recent movie, I think it's a, a classic, you don't know if you have those safe spaces. So I want to tease that out a little bit because what Dr. McGregor mentions about safe spaces is, is an important point. So, so gentlemen, where, where's the safe space for you? Go ahead, Elbra. Yeah, so for myself, I would say um, with my friends, playing basketball or playing pool or somewhere where we're actively doing something and then we have conversation about what's going on in our lives um, during those times. Um, I'd say we can just be watching a sporting event. Um, I'd say any time where we're doing something, even getting in a barbershop, getting our hair cut, as opposed to, I think what women do more is just call each other and talk, or women can sit and have drinks and talk. But um, I think for me, I only have one friend that I really can feel like it's a safe enough space to have these conversations to where I'll get mature, emotional and mental and intelligent feedback from him. So what about you, Dark One? Yeah, I, I agree with you on many of your points. Um, I think, I, I, as I mentioned, I've I've realized early on. I, I've I've been uh, empathetic uh, since I was a kid, since I was a teenager, and I needed to express myself. And I've always worked to create environments where I could do that. Uh, I think we have a dearth of safe spaces, and as men, we have a need to create safe spaces. And as you mentioned, uh, Ildris, uh, you have to have certain sort of people in those spaces for you to feel safe. They have to be emotionally intelligent or you have to perceive them as being that way. And, uh, and then you just have to feel comfortable communicating with the people basically. So you, you wanna create as many groups as you can or, or you know, more than two, you know, one person, two people or more where you can communicate about these things. We, we, it's not, easy to find per se. So I think if we invest our time in creating those spaces, we will benefit from that. I also think it's interesting, the example that you use, because I think in many things uh, in a man's life, everything changes once you involve a woman in it. And that's not to be combative, but it changes how we, how comfortable we are in expressing ourselves, because even one woman can change your ability to be 100% honest or to not perform. And so um, you, we have to create these spaces for ourselves. And so it's not something that is, is really natural to, to our um, entire group, really. And while there are many men who have those environments, I do think it is 
it appears to me at least to be something that is scarce within our community. Indeed. So this has been a wonderful discussion. Shout out to Ildris Helbra for co-hosting and uh, being expressive on this uh, wonderful episode today. Thank you, Helbra. We see you. Thank you. Thank you. And, yeah, for sure. This has been great. And of course, we've enjoyed having Dr. Brian McGregor on the panel today. Thank you, Dr. McGregor. So, you know, what we do here at the Tangent Talk is we usually have a few moments to do a wrap up. And I wonder, Dr. McGregor, as you just give us a um, an outro, if you will, from today's podcast, could you also share with us any resources that um, may be of value to men and young boys who want to, of course, deepen their study, understanding, and fulfillment around um, mental wellness? So, Dr. McGregor? Sure thing. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to dialogue with you all and uh, talk about these uh, important issues in our community. I would. Um, this is also a resource I shared uh, during the during the uh, Ahmad Arbery Foundation panel, uh, the Black Man Lab. I'm not sure um, if. Uh, uh, Darquan and um, Ildris are familiar with it, but this is a forum that I, th I think is online and in person. It uh, When it was in person, it was held over at the Andrew Young YMCA on Camelton Road in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was just for men. There was instructions. As soon as you get in there, we're not doing social media, no posting. We're trying to create a safe space in here. They fed you. It was every Monday at 6, uh, I think 6 or 6.30 p.m. You can find them on Facebook and see all of the different topics. And they talked about everything. Now, I've been on a couple of uh, different panels where we were talking about uh, mental health, mental illness, trauma, the legal system, men in uh, the music industry, men in uh, uh, you know different types of uh, professions, but just running the whole gamut. And it was so awesome to see Black boys and men across the generational spectrum from five to six years old to 75, and just being in there uh, and communing with each other and sharing uh, ideas, resources, vulnerability, so on and so forth. So that's one. I'll also point out the uh, Association of Black Psychologists has a website, abpsi.org, abpsi.org. And you can go on there and there are resources, uh, there are links that allow you to look for Black psychologists in your particular region and area. So if you're looking to get uh, a therapist or some counseling, uh, you can uh, go there and find those who have their information on that website. Thanks again. It's been a great opportunity to talk with you all and um, uh, I'll kick it back to you, Luna. Thank you so much, Dr. McGregor. And just to be clear, the last um, resource you shared is that A is in alpha, B is in boy, S is in Sam, I is in India? No, A, B, Psi. So the Psi, I guess that's like what the Greek um, <laughs> letter, A, B, P, S, I. P, S, I dot yeah. org. Yeah, American oh. uh, Association of Black Psychologists. So A, B, Psi, P, S, I, A, B, P, S, I dot O, R, G. Wonderful. Well, that's Dr. It. Mc... Well, we Thank appreciate you. it. Uh, we greatly appreciate you being here today. Thank you for the resources. Please come back and visit us again soon. Thanks so much. Wonderful, wonderful. Great discussion, Helper. How are we going to wrap this up? I mean, this was this was a big present we gave our listeners. How do we wrap this up? Yeah, and I'm and I'm just thinking. Um, 
you know, tee off. You you should. We're missing you right now. <laughs> but um, I wanted to wrap it up just by um posing a, a question, and all of us will answer. And that being, what boundaries exist for Black men to attain healthy emotional well-being, and what can they do to overcome them? Mm. You know, I don't want to, to respond philosophically. There, there's a part of me that says the boundaries that exist are um, self, self-imposed, but I know that that's not true. And of course, Dr. Uh, McGregor has talked about some really startling statistics as far as access to mental, well, uh, mental wellness. Um, but I also think, Helper, there's this notion of like raising Black boys to think that they can't be vulnerable and that they can't cry and express when they're hurting is damaging. And I think that's a boundary, right? So if you grow up in a household where your parent, I don't care what the gender is, tells you not to cry or that little boys don't cry, or you know that's a girl trait. Um, to me, uh, that is a boundary because then you grow up thinking, I can self-heal, I can uh, self-soothe, I don't need anyone, and if I do, then I must be weak. Something else that really grinds my gears is when I hear someone say, just be a man. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? You know, and they usually hurl it as an insult in terms of if a man is being um, uh, unproductive, maybe he's underemployed or unemployed, just be a man and go out there and get a job. Or maybe they hurl uh, that insult if a man is showing vulnerability. I really dislike that because at the end of the day, I haven't heard someone say, just be a human. And you all have heard me reference this before. I love when David Chappelle speaks, I know it was controversial, controversial, but he speaks of, you know, his late transgender friend. She was having a human experience. And I think if we can allow people to have a human experience without trying to put um, parameters around what that human experience looks like, then we won't have people putting their own boundaries uh, in terms of seeking and, and receiving help. Uh, I think the, I, you know, and I, I, I hate to, you know, always be striking this nerve, but I, uh, but I love to strike this nerve because it's, it's a nerve that needs to be struck. Um, the boundary to Black men's mental health is the environment that we are trying to be healthy in. And I think that globally, Black men have a challenge being mentally healthy because of the lasting impacts of colonialism and colonialism that is still in place. I think we are looking to live by other people's standards. It is not natural to our, our pre-colonial culture to be the way we are now. And so when you try to live by someone else's standards, you have a challenge being mentally healthy. And you know, when you are not uh, when you don't have equity or equality, it is challenging for you to be mentally healthy. And I think this condition expands to women as well. But if we're speaking about men, uh, we have to understand and really look at the impacts of our environment on us. And because we, we should not be addressing and, and, you know, those of us that are in the medical field in this conversation know, we should not be addressing the symptoms, but we should be addressing the root cause of our mental issues and, and emotional 
uh, challenges. So I think that th that is the primary bound uh, boundary to our, us being mentally healthy is that we are are innately to in some aspects in a state of trauma. And oftentimes we 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 don't acknowledge that. And we work to address the symptoms, but we're not addressing the root cause of why we as a people are traumatized. Yeah, that's that's a deep answer as well. Um, I would piggyback off of that and, and just say it definitely for myself, it, it's a little bit of both as far as the boundaries. I think it's some systematic things that I as a black man um, have to deal with. But at the same time, I think a lot of um, situations I've been in that I could have had better emotionally awareness. I think I could have done that work for myself. And that's what I'm trying to do now. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about this conversation is it's going to always be ongoing. The beautiful thing about this question specifically to me, to me is that there's no really right or wrong answer. It's, it's kind of just us sharing our perspectives and at least trying to be the best version of ourself in terms of the aspect of mental, emotional awareness and intelligence that we can um, after this conversation. So um, with that being said, uh, Ms. Stark, what do you- I, I just want to, can, can yeah, I interject yeah. one, one thing before yeah. you move on? Um, yeah. And, and I, so my, my statements are not to discredit uh, an individual's ability to, to act on their life. You know, yeah. I just think that, that our condition is kind of like a serial argument where if you don't address the root of that argument, that right. argument is going to keep coming up. And so right. not to, um, you know, be contradictory, but just, yeah, just to clarify my point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understood everything you were saying. Like like I said, you know, it, we can definitely say it's, it's systematic things that are the... Um, the cause, as you as you stated, but I guess I am trying to um, to just in this topic and take this topic from my own life is just uh, using the topic to make myself the better, ver the best version of myself that I can be, you know, regardless of what circumstances I am. So I definitely uh, agree and appreciate what you said, um, Dark One. So, Miss um, Star, do you have any uh, opinions on this? Sure. And as I hear Dark One talk about environment, for some reason, I'm getting like the mental picture of fish in a, in a fish tank or <laughs> just even the ocean. Um, you know, but just how if you have a lot of trash around you, I mean, I don't even just mean physical trash, but I'm just saying in terms of if you, if you look at the ocean or whatever, you know, the pollution. We It's like we have to work through so much pollution. So much filtering out has to happen. So when I think of um, Black men in mental health, or even uh, Black boys in mental health, I think about the reprogramming of the thoughts on, you know, what mental health means and the value of mental health and what it looks like. And, you know, like we were talking about the foundation that all Black boys deserve mental health. And so that is for everybody. It's not, you know, it, it's not for certain people who have special, special issues or something. No, we all need mental health. We're specifically talking about Black men. So in terms of boundaries, I did think about environmental as well. I thought about structural. I thought about cultural. Um, in terms of the roots, it starts from the child rearing. You know, just like we saw the video with the two-year-old boy. It's like starting from young to say, listen, it's okay for you to express yourself. Now, I think there's still even probably some boundaries in terms of expressing ourselves because sometimes we do have to control our responses. You know, we can't always necessarily control to the tenth level for everything that happens. Um, but you know, like we're talking about those safe places and having those safe spaces, 
um, I, I guess as black men, it's like hopefully being around people that make you feel comfortable to share more personal information and people who share personal information with you, you know, to set that kind of, um, set that kind of tone environment. I think about Queen Sugar, I love Hollywood. <laughs> Cause he's like a good blend of, of you know, he's like masculine, mm -hmm. but he loves, he loves by, he's yeah. sweet, you know, he's mm -hmm. just, he, he's just a good blend of, of a, of an example of a, of a man. And, and, you know, he started, I forgot, it's not called the man cave, but the hot spot, the, the I forgot what it's called in the, sh in the show, the Queen Sugar show. But he was like, we need an environment where black men can come together and we can voice our, um, you know, voice our concerns and have a safe place to, you know, have, have these conversations. And I feel like, you know, even when you set up that kind of environment, it leaves room for even the men to correct each other in love, you know, just briefly, it was one episode where he, you know, um, you know, corrects uh, Ra, Ralph Angel, and he said, yeah, you're right, there's, there's a lot of structural issues, there's a lot of, you know, things that happen environmentally, you know, we're not given a fair chance as Black men, etc., uh, but you did that, and you were wrong, <laughs> you know, so, like, you know, but I feel like, he was, he's just not coming from a place of, I just want to discipline you. And I just want to correct you. He's coming from a place of, I love you, you know, and, and I want to make environments where you can come share those things, share about those things that's hurting you, that's challenging you, that, you know, you're disappointed about, et cetera. So yeah, I just, I just, I'm, I'm grateful to see the, the, the wave turning more towards um, Black men getting the mental health that they need. And I do believe as they continue to lean towards that, it will be better for interpersonal relationships and, you know, even their relationship with yourself as well. So thank you. To the producers of, of Queen Sugar and the film, The Brothers and every other series and film that uh, we promote and plug on here at the Tangent Talk, uh, we're gonna need to start signing some contracts because uh, we definitely need uh some some coin here at the tangent talk we definitely <laughs> we need that we coinage definitely, we definitely need that promotion because <laughs> y'all gotta help us out just like we help y'all out and um this again this has been great um luna thank you for passing um one of the reins over to me uh for the hosting and it's always a pleasure i look forward to doing it more with you speaking of queens you know, you are definitely a queen in my life and you are the queen of the Tangent Talk. So with that being said, I'll let you take us out. Thank you. Okay, now that I'm crying. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Helber. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, this was important, right? This was a topic that you and Dr. McGregor really inspired given the, the timing that you uh, brought this to the, to the cast and the timing that Dr. Brian McGregor was, of course, um, a panelist for the Ahmaud Arbery discussion. So, um, and, and, and specifically, you know, I go back to the, that discussion wasn't just broad, it was specific on shining a light on mental wellness for Black boys. So this has been a rich discussion. We thank you to our listeners for continuing to support the Tangent Talk. We're going to continue to bring you great content. Please share this. Share this episode with friends and family. You know, we're, we're going into the holiday season. Some people are going to be a little sad, right, for various reasons. You know, it's a the most wonderful time of the year. And for some, then you hear another song, what do the lonely do at Christmas? So there are gonna be some people that are not gonna be in the best of spirits, but we know that we can be there to support 
people. We know that uh, mental uh, wellness is important. And as we've discussed before on this, on, the, on this podcast is something that we are passionate about. So please share this episode with your friends. Stay healthy physically and mentally and emotionally. And we hope you come back and tune in in the new year, 2022, with the Tangent Talk. We will be kicking off season eight, you all. We're growing up. <laughs> we're getting we're getting more mature. So season eight in 2022, please come back. Shout out to Tioff. Thank you, Miss Star, for being here. Thank you, Dark One, for being here. Thank you, Dr. McGregor, for being here. And Ildris, you already know, I always enjoy co-hosting with you. So with that, we wish you a merry season of celebration, and we look forward to seeing you in the new year. This is Luna Ma. We're out. <laughs>